Dash Open Podcast. Dash Open is your source for interesting conversations about open source and other technologies from the Open Source Program Office at Verizon Media. We're home to many leading brands, including Yahoo, AOL, Tumblr, TechCrunch, and many more. My name is Gil Yehuda, and I'm on the open source team at Verizon Media. Today on the show, I'm excited to chat with Aaron Klish. Aaron is a distinguished architect on the data platforms and systems engineering team at Verizon Media. Welcome to the podcast, Aaron. Thank you. Glad to be here. Tell us a little bit about yourself. How long have you been on the team and what do you do? I've been working at Yahoo and now Verizon Media for close to 11 years. Over that time, I've had an opportunity to work on a lot of different data systems. I work on the data team. And so I've, I've worked on everything from kind of our collection platforms. These are very large scale systems that collect information from tens of thousands of uh, systems in the company and and bring it back to our data processing systems. I've worked on the processing systems, the data warehouses, the data marts. More recently, I worked on Flurry Analytics, which is a company that was acquired by Yahoo that provides an analytics platform for mobile app developers. And most recently on our ad stack on building out a rules-based targeting platform for our DSP. DSP? Demand-side platform. So very data-centric. That's correct. Yes. Okay. Is it easy working with data? Data has its own set of challenges. It's interesting because obviously you have to work with large amounts of data that tend to grow year over year. And there's always a need to be able to, to garner insights from that data that you want a very like short response time and interactive query capability associated with that data. So there's always a challenge. And over the years I've worked at Yahoo, you continue to see big strides in new architectures for sort of crunching that data in, in faster and faster response time. And so there's, it's, you could just, like from the beginning, 11 years ago, it's amazing how, how far technology has progressed as far as making those things possible. Right. It used to be that I remember when we were looking at data and the issue was data accuracy. Right. Like we really needed to make sure that, they, that the data was clean and perfectly accurate because, you know, dirty data was a problem. And now it seems, and I'd like to, to hear you comment on this if, if you agree or if you see have insight on this, it seems that it's less about the accuracy of the data, but more about the ability to process the data quickly, you know, because the data comes in so quickly that it's almost like even if we have a couple of pieces of data that are a little inaccurate, if we can process it quickly, that's going to, that the, val, the, the value of that should override the cost of like being perfect. It, it, would you say that? Yeah, I'd say that's correct. I think that there's, I mean, you, you tend to want most of your data to be accurate, yeah. but it's okay to have some of your data not having everything completely cleansed. And you can still build meaningful insights, even if your data has, has some inaccuracies inside of it. So definitely, it's it's the, the challenge has been, and, and over time too, being able to essentially, you know, from in the inception of an idea, like we want to be able to get these insights, like how quickly can we build something that, that can get us those insights? And so, so you have to very rapidly kind of string together a bunch of different technologies in order to get the insights to the business that needs them, you know, in a short amount of time. So that's that's kind of a challenge I'd say today with with data. Sure. So we're here to talk about one of the projects that you're working on. You know, as somebody who's spent you know more more than a decade deep in the world of extracting value from a data ecosystem, you have an open source project out there that you wanted to share with our listeners. What's it called? So basically, we worked on a project called Elide. Think of data as like a full stack problem, everything from collection to presentation. This is more along the presentation side. So typically, you're going to need to have some kind of visualization or UI and then to sort of present the data, but you'll also need what we call typically a middle tier that connects the data visualizations and your user interface to the actual underlying data stores that, that serve the data. Mm -hmm. And so Elide is, is basically 
It's a Java library that exposes what we call like an application data model as a middle tier web service through JSON API and GraphQL APIs. And JSON API and GraphQL are essentially their modern standards for what's called a graph API. Mm -hmm. And a graph API is, is, you can think of it as kind of a evolutionary improvement over a traditional CRUD API, where CRUD stands for create, read, update, and delete. And that would traditionally a developer or client would hit a web service and they would want to manipulate or read a single entity of the application domain model in a single request. And so the, the main improvement with, with graph APIs is they let the developer read or manipulate an entire subgraph, which they can construct at query time of the, of the application domain model in a single request round trip. And so for an application that needs to be responsive, especially like something that's mobile, you want to reduce the number of round trips from the UI and the back end, and you also want to reduce the number of pay data that's in flight over the wire. Mm -hmm. And so those APIs, the, those, those style of APIs, the graph APIs let you, let you do that. So what does a light provide over GraphQL? GraphQL is more like a specification for building APIs. So a light has a very opinionated instance of GraphQL because it solves some problems, especially like how do you do mutations of, I want to be able to manipulate like these these four things at the same time in a single transaction or round trip. So Elide sort of takes an opinionated stance on GraphQL and how you would do that as a developer. But basically Elide is, is more than that. It's, it's a framework for building these middle tiers very rapidly. So I was, I was getting at the problem that we have is we need to build data applications and provide insights to the business very quickly. And so Elide is what you would consider part of, uh, it's a core component of what we call a low-code application architecture. And so the idea is that you can quickly stand up an entire data application in a very short amount of time, in a few weeks, for example. In the case of Lide, what, what the developer would do is they would define their application data model as a series of entities and relationships between them, what you call an entity relationship graph. Mm -hmm. And then you decorate those things with a security, security rules, data validation rules, and business logic that you can sort of tie into the, the model's fields whenever they're manipulated or read. And then you can connect that model to a persistent backend, which is very easy to do in Elide, and then take everything and drop it into a container like Jetty or Undertow, and you'd essentially have a fully featured middle tier that can serve your, your, your UI and would support everything from like rich filtering, sorting, pagination, search, and schema introspection, which are all kind of the tool, the toolbox of things you need to, to build a user interface. So it's the one, it's one component of the architecture for what we call rapid data applications. Right. Uh, there's other pieces, and I, I think in future podcasts we'll talk about some of some of those other pieces as well. But it's it's definitely one of the core pieces of the things you you have to have, kind of when you're presenting data, is you need the ability to to interact with it, to you know create reports, alerts. Um, when data changes and things like that, you need to be interact with the business side of the objects. You know, like you need both to create an invoice or, or sure. you know, those kinds of things. So, so tell me a little more about what kind of developer, what kind of uh, use case or, or industry, data-heavy industry, would use Elide? If you are building a web application or a mobile app and you need to read and write data from a database of some kind, I think Elide would be a, a good choice for a middle tier to look at to see if it, it meets the needs of, of the application that you're building. I think as far as this low-code application architecture, which is like a separate thing, that's that's a much that's solving a problem for a business that may not have traditional software engineers. Maybe they they're not computer science trained, but they have 
they know how to write some code. And so mm -hmm. they can stand up applications in a very short amount of time just writing little snippets of code. That's a different problem. Allied is a piece of that, but Allied, I would expect someone to use Allied directly would be like, you know, someone who's familiar with building applications, web applications, mobile apps, and needs to get that middle tier stood up quickly. They could they could take that framework and get something, you know, stood up in a few minutes for right. their so application. If, so if you're in a business where you're sitting on a ton of data, mm -hmm. and it may be in one or, or maybe a couple of different data stores, and you need to do something interesting with the data, but you know, writing a lot of code isn't interesting. Yes, that's but extracting right. value from that is interesting. So a live would be the kind of solution that that you might look for. That's that's correct. That's absolutely correct. Okay, yeah. now. Allied is open source. That is correct. Okay, what does that mean? First of all, it's the, the source is, is free to use. It's under a very friendly Apache 2.0 license. And so anyone can use it, modify it, make derivative works. They can come and contribute. They can help us build this. We're always looking for developers to come and to help us shape the future of this project. We're very excited about it. We have a lot of internal use at the company of, of the project, a, a community as well, a, people that have been contributing and using it elsewhere as well. So we're always looking for new ideas, new developers, people who are using it to submit um, bugs and to improve the, the quality of the software for the community. That's awesome. So that sounds like a real invitation to anyone uh, out there who's uh, listening, to anyone in the audience. If you're building data, you know, data-focused uh, applications, take a look at Allide. It's on uh, github.com slash Yahoo slash Allied, well-documented and available. You know, you mentioned community and it sort of reminded me to ask you, we're here in Champaign, Illinois, traditionally a Yahoo office. What's it like working in Champaign, Illinois? Champaign, Illinois is probably most noted for the university, University of Illinois at Champaign. It's a small community, about 100,000 people, what I like to call it's micro-urban, so it's got a lot of the elements of a larger city, but it's it doesn't have a lot of the problems associated with larger city, like congestion and so forth. Uh, like, I have a, about an eight-minute commute to work every day, but I, I get to work at a great technology company. And I also feel like culture here is, is really amazing. It feels like working as part of a small smaller company, even though we're much part of a much bigger company that has, uh, you know, doing something very innovative and has lots and lots of resources. So it kind of marries those two things very nicely. And I understand we're hiring, which means that if you're in the Champaign area or really in the Midwest and you want to work at a large company that feels like a small company. So you have all the resources and exciting problems of a large company, but you have just that intimacy and community feel of a small company. The Champaign office just seems to be a really great place to check out. It's on the university campus. The university is right up the road. Thank you very much for the podcast and thank you all for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you wanted to learn more about our open source program at Verizon Media or other technologies that we have available, please visit us at developer.yahoo.com. You can also find us on Twitter at YDN.